Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. At Marriage Helper, we are experts when it comes to relationships. That's what we do. As a matter of fact, we're really in the love business, helping people learn how to be in love, sometimes even how to find the right love when they're single people, how to develop and deepen their love when they're married to each other, and when necessary, how to rescue lost love. So that means that some of the work we do, we do with people whose marriages are in trouble. And you can imagine the kind of stories we hear because the people that contact us are typically the ones who want to save the marriage. And we listen to their stories. I mean, the people on our team are really amazing about how they work with people. We also have Facebook groups and things like that. And we get to hear a lot of stories. And sometimes in those stories, and Kimberly can attest to this, we listen to a person talking about what he or she has done or is doing or intends to do and think, wow, maybe, just maybe, this is not all your spouse's fault. I mean, maybe you are part of the problem, and sometimes even maybe you are the problem. Oh, now don't panic. <laughs> if you tend to because of the fact that you're thinking, I'm looking for help, and you guys are going to start off by beating me up and saying I'm the problem, no, that's not the case at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. We'll actually talk about a balance here, but as Kimberly Holmes, our CEO, who is joining me on this program and I will talk about, um, what responsibilities should you take? Which ones should you not? Like, this is not my fault. Where's the balance here that can help you if you want to make your marriage good, if it's in trouble? What can you do? But it can't be just by completely blaming the other person, Mm -hmm. except sometimes it really is altogether the other person. Now, it's rare, but sometimes that's the case. Yeah, so that's very hard to come to grips with. So how do I know? I mean, the question I'd be asking right now is how do I know what my situation is? Am I the one where am I part of the problem? Am I the entire problem? Is my spouse the entire problem? Mm -hmm. That's what I would be thinking. Right. And so people, I guess, would want to be able to write in or call in and say, tell me exactly my situation. Well, in the situation here, we'll actually try to get to some questions. If you're online live with us right now, type the questions in. We'll get to them if we can. Mm -hmm. But let's first talk about general principles. And the first one would be this. Uh, Occasionally, it's rare, but occasionally it altogether is the other person. Um, And I'm going to give an extreme example, but this makes it come alive, I hope. Uh, I know of a lady that three weeks after her marriage, her husband actually tried to kidnap two teenage girls. And, and of course, she divorced the guy. Well, we wouldn't say that she had anything to do with that. Or if you have a spouse, a husband or a wife that was an, an, an addict before you ever met them, they hit it. You wound up with each other, and then that addiction comes to light afterwards. We certainly wouldn't say that you are a contributor to that uh, addiction. It occurred pre-you, before you. Mm -hmm. But in most situations, in most situations, if there is relationship problems, like in a marriage, Mm -hmm. both people have contributed to it. And sometimes it's the person wanting to save the marriage who has done the biggest amount of damage. So let's get into that. Okay, let's get into that. What I just heard you say, though, was <laughs> I've been married. There wasn't anything pre-marriage 
that I know of or, or anything like that. Now mm -hmm. we're married and this problem has come about. If my husband, since my husband's name is Rob, so if Rob is out and he's having an affair or he's uh, gambling and spending all of our money or something's happening, but it happened post-marriage, are you saying that I could have a part of him doing that? I say you could. I could. But you understand that even in a situation like that, suppose he's gambling and you find that out, there probably is still something pre-marriage, even if you don't know about it, that set up something like that, because those kind of addictions don't just typically appear out of nowhere. But in most situations that we see, um, each spouse has some part to play in it. Mm -hmm. But if a person has an addiction like that, not necessarily anything that you did. It might be pre you, whether you know it or not. But most of the situations we see are more like we wind up fighting all the time, or mm -hmm. my husband or wife says I'm dominating or controlling, mm -hmm. or my spouse has gotten involved with someone else. Now, mm -hmm. right there, I know what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. You're thinking, wait a minute. You're saying if my spouse had an affair, somehow it's my fault? What do you think? <laughs> what do I think? Yes, throwing it back to you. Oh, me. Well, First of all, it what we teach here is is part of that, that there's this blend of things that have happened and it's not this black and white, here's the steps that happened and exactly what happened for your marriage to get here. It's this blend of um, maybe pulling apart. Maybe you, y'all had kids and life pulled you in separate directions and one person ended up meeting someone at work and felt that emotional connection and then disconnected and it led to this and it wasn't your fault completely, but there was something that happened back here that wasn't addressed when it should have been that then led to something else happening. Which means that does not justify what your spouse did. It never does. But it could be that you played some role. Now think about it this way. We typically talk about affairs as being three different kinds of affairs. One being the short lived affair, which is primarily sexual, mm -hmm. being in the wrong place at the wrong time and doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Typically it's not this spouse's contribution that sets up that kind of an affair. Mm -hmm. For example, if your wife or husband did that, it may not be that anything you did was a contributing factor. But most affairs, at least the ones that we deal with, are the ones that we call relationship affairs. And relationship affairs often occur because of the fact that the person feels he or she is missing something. All right, stay with me. I'm not saying this is your fault if your spouse had the relationship affair. I'm not saying it justifies what he or she did. What I am saying is that if your relationship had been good and strong and solid, maybe, just maybe, that other one could not have developed. So I'm, mm -hmm. I, I feel like already I'm beginning to make people feel guilty here, and that's not what I'm trying to do. So help me well. balance this out where it makes some sense. <laughs> I will help you balance it out, but I am going to maybe make it worse before I do that. Okay. <laughs> there's, in our culture, there's become over the past decade, maybe even two decades, this sense of it can't be my fault. Things aren't my fault. I'm not going to take personal responsibility for things. And I want to believe that every single person watching this program is not that way. That we are people who we can look at things and we see our part of it and we are willing to say, I'm going to own that and I'm going to fix what I can because of that. But what we've seen here at Marriage Helper, not typically with the people we end up actually talking to, but the people who will comment on things that we post or different things like that is, no, once a cheater, if it's about an affair, for example, once a cheater, always a cheater. It's, I just needed to drop him or her and move on with my life. I had nothing to do with it. But then you see that there's a chronic issue. The next person that they 
marry. There's, there's more issues. There's never, once it happens multiple times, we tend to step back and say, maybe something you're doing is leading to this problem. Mm -hmm. Not justifying. Not ever Not justifying. causing what the other person did. They get to make those it choices. it can become a contributing factor. It can, yes. So, how would you know? Well, let's talk about that. What kind of things can you look at to see, have I contributed to what might be going on in my marriage? Now, we're not trying to make you feel guilty. We are not trying to beat you up. But what Kimberly just said, I agree with wholeheartedly. We live in a culture where people want to make sure that nothing is my fault. It's my mother's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's your fault. It's the government's fault. It's somebody's <laughs> fault. But if we look at this, let's at least take responsibility for what we have done, not justifying mm -hmm. what your spouse did this bad. Right. So the first thing I would say is this, if you want to try to figure out if it's your fault, mm -hmm. no, that's not the word. If you are a contributor to what might be happening in your marriage, mm -hmm. let me say it that way. It's not your fault. Okay. Then the first thing is, are you being the real you? What I mean by that is this, if, if you're trying to be whatever it is, your husband or wife wants you to be, mm -hmm. and you're, trying to pretend to be that person. So if they want you to be bubbly all the time, that's not your nature, but you're bubbly all the time. Or if they want you to be a social butterfly, you become that because it makes him or her happy. Let me tell you that when you quit being who you really are and pretend to be what the other person wants you to be, not just occasionally, but that's the way you're living, then the other person after a while actually becomes very frustrated with you. You say, why? Because... <laughs> Because you, in essence, are trying to become the be-all, end-all for that person, and no one human being can do that. Mm -hmm. And when you try to do that, when you try to do that, the other person, after a while, begins to sense, first of all, it's not real. Secondly, I don't really know who you are. And thirdly, if, if you're just going to bend and blend to be whatever I want you to be, after a while, you kind of become useless to me. Because, because you're more of an imagination than a reality, and people mm -hmm. don't want that. And so I'm not saying that it, you don't try to yield to the other person on occasion. You do. Right. I'm not saying compromise. you don't try to blend. Mm -hmm. But at least be the real you. Don't become somebody you're not. Mm -hmm. Because if you do, it actually can contribute to marriage problems. So do you think that people do this mainly when their spouse is making that? So are you talking about in a sense where a person's spouse says, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this instead. I don't want you to be outgoing. I want you to stay home with me. So if a spouse is controlling what they do, what they don't do and things like that, then that's one situation versus possibly uh, a couple where one of the spouses, let's say the wife, feels like he'd be happier if I did this, so I'm gonna do this instead. And then they end up, even though their husband never asked them to do certain things, they end up changing who they are and then end up resenting their husband. Their husband ends up resenting them because there's this fight that comes out, which is, I changed because of you, and the husband says, but I never asked you to. Right. Which, so do you see both of those happening? Yes, yeah, so let me go like this then. Not only be the real you, be the confident you. Believe that who you are and what you are is attractive. Now, you might not be a physical 10 on the scale, very few people are, but you're probably physically more attractive than you think. But be the confident you, believe in you. Don't believe that you have to become this chameleon, that you're always having to try this or change this or what, being whatever you think it is that mm -hmm. the other person wants you to do. Because that chameleon, first of all, makes you miserable. Secondly, the other person begins to pull away from you because it's, again, it's like, well, I'll give you this example. 
uh, we had a lady in the workshop a few years ago, mm-hmm. and, and she had lost all respect for her husband because he had become basically, forgive the word, a wimp. You say, what do you mean? He was so much trying to do whatever it took to make her happy mm-hmm. that he had no backbone at all. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things he actually said to her in my presence was, just tell me what you want me to do. That's what I'll be. And she said, that's the problem. So understand, we're saying be genuine, be real, but be confident, be the confident you. Mm-hmm. Now to the other part of what you're saying, I say be the strong you. Mm-hmm. You say, what do you mean? If the other person is trying to control and dominate you, mm-hmm. don't let them do that. Because of the fact that occasionally anybody can compromise. I mean, that's just part of life. But when you let the other person tell you what to think, how to act, what to feel, what to believe, all those kinds of things, they will dominate you. And a couple of things are going to happen. One is you're going to lose your own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You won't think that you have any value anymore. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they lose respect for you. Mm-hmm. Even the strongest of personalities want you to be strong and stand up to them. Yep. Now, I don't mean to fight all the time. I'm not saying that. But nobody wants to feel that I'm the ruler, you're the servant. Now, they may think they do, and they may try to do that. But, it's, but if you live like that and act like that, yep. eventually they have no use for you because it's like you... You don't matter anymore. You're like clay. I can bend to whatever I want. Mm-hmm. You don't have significance to me. Mm-hmm. So be the real you. Be the confident you. Believe in yourself. Right. Be the strong you. Don't let the other person dominate. Now, if you're saying, wait a minute, are you saying then that I've let myself be dominated, that I've actually contributed to our marriage problems? And my answer is yes. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't panic. What I mean is people tend to do whatever it is you let them do. And if that spouse, your husband or wife, is dominating, controlling you and and doing those kinds of things, the very fact that you allow it to happen and repetitively allow it to happen means that, yes, you are a contributor to what's going on. You really are. Somewhere along the line, you need to stand up and say, look, I don't want to be mean or vicious myself. I don't want to control or dominate you but I will be treated as an equal. I will not be walked on. I will not be your doormat. And in that sense, yes, you are contributing to the problems by allowing him or her to do the things they shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's another one I see. I see this a lot. So let's say there's a person and they are the ones who are trying to save the marriage, whatever that marriage situation has been, but they obsess about everything. I mean, they have to have affirmation to know that they're, what they're doing is right. They're constantly reaching out. Typically when we see a person like this, one of the things we say is, or we wonder is, is this how they were in their marriage? Constantly wanting affirmation from their spouse constantly, or, or just constantly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not annoying, but Annoying is a good word. It can be very annoying Mm -hmm. where it's just every single thing. Or if there's a problem in their marriage, then they aren't going to let it go until they feel like it's been fixed. I mean, tell about how that... People who do that often act very uh, possessively. They'll often be very jealous people. And sometimes they even do what's called a push-pull behavior. Meaning, I need your affirmations so much. I need to know that you love me, you want to be with me, you're going to be here no matter what, that sometimes I'll actually even push you away, mm-hmm. not hoping you go away, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that you'll break through that to prove to me that you'll be here no matter what. We call those people, well, I say we, you can actually look at the social sciences. These people are called 
preoccupied. Mm -hmm. The preoccupation is, I'm afraid you're going to leave me. You're not going to be there for me. And therefore, I'm just going to keep asking for more and more information until finally the other person is like, I can't play this game anymore. Leave me alone. I, I just won't do this. And so if you're looking for that excessive reassurance, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, another, well, maybe almost the contrast of this, when I didn't finish about the strong you, Sometimes people are not so much controlled and dominated by the other person as they allow themselves to be manipulated by the other person. What I mean by that is that he goes off and has an affair, comes back and tells you he's sorry. Now, we're all for putting those marriages back together. We help people do that all the time. And then he goes off and, and uh, gambles all your money away, comes back and says, I'm sorry. And, and charms you and you go right back and, and this happens repetitively again and again and again and again. Not so much now that they're controlling or dominating, it's just that they're using you, doing whatever it is that they want to do. And if you keep accepting a person back without there being some kind of consequence, without there being some kind of border, even some kind of criteria, then the fact that they keep doing that thing is partially your responsibility. Now, you're not doing it and it just justify what they do, you don't misunderstand. But the fact that you tolerate it, allow it, means they'll do it again and again and again and again. And so until such time as you stand up on your hind two feet and say, no, no, I'm not going to let this happen again and again and again. Now, I'm all for forgiving. I'm all for putting the relationship back together. Mm -hmm. But certain boundaries will be put in place. Mm -hmm. Things are going to happen. And if you violate those boundaries, Here's the negative consequences going to come. Again, people pretty well do what you let them do. And if you continually let them do that, and they do, and then you're whining, oh, poor pitiful me. Yeah. Well, I, I do feel sorry for you, but don't you understand that you're the only person in the position to stop this from happening? And in that sense, we'd say, yeah, you are a contributor to what's going on. You're contributing because you're allowing this behavior to again and again and again occur. Yeah, but that's so hard to do, right? Because so many people are taught as, as they grow up that I don't want to address conflict. I don't want people to be mad at me. I don't want there to be fights. I would rather just complain about it over here and then just continue to let it happen over here. I mean, you can see that with your kids and with friends, you could have a friend who you're annoyed by something they're doing, but you don't want to talk to them about it because you're going to hurt their feelings. And how much more is that amplified a lot of times in marriage? Because I don't want to push my wife away. I don't want to push my spouse away. And then they end up not doing anything because they don't know how to. And then if they do try and approach their spouse and they do it once they've had it up to here, then they're going to blow up and then it's not going to be productive to doing what you want it, what we want for there to do to put boundaries in place. So how, I know we've talked about this many times before and I don't want you to go all into it right now, but how do people navigate that line? Well, you understand that there's ample research that couples that never argue mm. have a dramatically higher likelihood of divorcing each other. Yeah. It's because if you never argue, then the other person doesn't know how you feel. Mm -hmm. They continue to do behaviors that really just tick you off. Mm -hmm. and, and when you do get it up to here, it's glorious to behold. Mm -hmm. Okay. What we're saying so far is this. Nobody's going to be perfect. Right. And we're not saying that 
what you do in these situations we've discussed so far justifies any bad thing that your husband or wife does. We're not saying that. Mm -hmm. But we're saying if you want to have a better chance at having a good relationship, not a perfect relationship because nobody has that, but if having a good relationship is that you be confident, you be strong, you believe in you, you tell the other person what you think or what you feel, but, but when you do it, remember to be the good you. Don't be a jerk. Right. Don't be always saying these negative, mean things to the other. I've, I've watched this on so many occasions. There was a couple not long ago where <laughs> for 20 minutes, she bashed and bashed and bashed him. And finally, she kind of wound down and I looked at him and said, what would you have to say? He talked like 30 seconds, said one minor negative thing about her. And she exploded. How dare you talk about me this way? Wow. And so her whole thing was, I'm attacking this guy because in her mind, he's scum. She's perfect. Therefore, she accepted no responsibility for any of her actions whatsoever. So be the good you. Accept responsibilities for behaviors. Don't be a jerk. Mm -hmm. Don't continue to say all these negative things to the other person and then wonder when they leave, why did he leave me? Why doesn't he or she want to be around me? In one of our workshops, I understand it in our intensive three-day workshops for marriages in crisis, it's called 911, and it has an extremely high success rate. Three out of four couples that come to our weekend workshop actually wind up staying married, even though about 90% of the couples that come to our workshop, one spouse doesn't want to save the marriage. So we say it's a pretty remarkable weekend. Yeah. It's not a guarantee. It's an intense weekend. We go through a lot of things. And one of the things we do in that weekend is we say you, you can't be giving marriage advice to other people in the workshop during the breaks. Okay. Right. Don't be telling him or her. And yet in one workshop, there was one woman who was just so mean. I'm, I mean, that's the only word I can use. She was mean to her husband. She was mean to everybody else. And I finally realized that at the breaks in violation of our rules, people were going to him and saying, don't go home with her. Now we don't want that to happen in our workshops. You understand? So I had to stop it, but I was thinking, <laughs> I don't blame them for saying that. Kind of agree. She's just mean. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he wants away from her is not his fault. Mm -hmm. Actually, she was the one driving him away. Yeah. Then she drug him to the workshop to make us fix him. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't fix people. We teach relationships. We teach how to put relationships back together. Yeah. So in all of these, be confident, et cetera, et cetera, be good. Be the kind of person people want to be around, yeah. including your husband or wife, because if you're the kind of person people don't want to be around right. and you will not change that behavior, yeah. there's nothing we can do to help you or yeah. anybody else for that matter, yeah. because nobody wants to be around people who are mean, who are jerks, who are always putting other people down, who are sarcastic. I even saw one couple fall apart because he wouldn't quit making fun of her. And she said, this is killing me. Stop. And he wouldn't do it. He says, it's funny. But you mm. understand he was being a jerk. And in that sense, yes, he's definitely contributing his wife wanting to be away from him. Yeah. That's such a huge one. The positivity factor of a person. And I, I know that there are definitely people who struggle with depression, who struggle with anxiety. And that if you're struggling with that, then it is not your fault at no. all, no. whatever is going on in your marriage because of it. In fact, if you have a spouse who is struggling with depression and anxiety, then right now your call is to be there for them, to not make them feel bad or put them down for what 
they are going through, but to be a support to them. Because the last thing a person who is struggling with that wants to hear is, why can't you just be happy? Why can't you just no. move on from that? That's, that's not the way to handle that. However, if that is not something that someone is going through and someone is just always negative, I mean, always find something to complain about, always finds the worst in a situation and that trickles into the marriage, then the husband or the wife or whoever is the not negative one isn't going to want to be, who wants to come home to that? They're not going to want to be around. They want to be anyplace else they can possibly exactly. be. And exactly. by the way, if you are struggling with depression or anxiety or other things, if you really want to make your marriage good, go get the help you need for that. Mm -hmm. Find a really good therapist or counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, go see, first of all, your first line physician, whoever he or she may be. Um, I mean, your internist or your family doc, who are your gynecologist even, and say, look, I'm struggling with this. Help me with it. Mm -hmm. Don't anticipate that your spouse needs to be there for you, even if you don't do what you need to do to take care of your own mental health. Even if you don't do what you need to do to take care of your own physical health, yeah. you owe that to them as well. Yeah. Now, I want to broach one more subject before we uh, actually stop and give you a message about something else. Mm -hmm. One more subject in this. And, and if we have offended you, I'm so sorry. We certainly don't intend to. But you must understand that there's two sides usually. Now, as I said earlier, sometimes it's the other person and you really can't do anything about it. But if you're making some kind of a contribution, the answer is going to be that you need to become the best you you can be confident, strong, standing up for yourself, getting the help you need for your depression or your physical problems. All the things we talk about means that you have certain responsibilities, first of all, to yourself mm -hmm. to do what you need to do to take care of you. Mm -hmm. But that's also a responsibility you have to your spouse. Now, this last one's going to cause some problems. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> where, do you, where, do you, where do you think I'm going? You know, I'm not going to assume what you already have. <laughs> That's true. I already have. The fact that we do have a responsibility, again, like you said, not just to us to be the best us we can be, but if we're not doing that for our spouses, then it can lead to them wanting or looking elsewhere for fulfillment. Is that where you were going? Kind of. In a marriage, for example, mm -hmm. one of the responsibilities we have for each other is to fulfill each other sexually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I run into situations where that uh, sometimes one spouse just doesn't want to do that for whatever reason. In America, for example, we know that statistically um, a pretty large percentage of married couples between the ages of, of uh, 18 and 59, so we're not talking about octogenarians here, uh, one out of five, one out of five married couples between the ages of 18 and 59 have sex with each other 10 times a year or less. Another 15% have sex with each other 11 to 24 times a year. 11 to 24 are called low sex marriages. Uh, zero to 10 are called no sex marriages. Now I understand that if you're having relationship problems, you probably don't want to get into bed with your spouse. And there can be some physical problems that you need to deal with because they're preventing that as well. But a woman, for example, said, I'm really mad. I caught him using pornography. And so I started asking them questions. I understand, I get it. Turns out that she would make love to her husband five to six times a year. Now, I'm not justifying his using pornography. 
You understand? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not justifying that. But I said to her, don't you understand that he has certain sexual needs and fulfillment that he wants to have, and it's not being fulfilled in five or six times a year. So what he's doing is he's sublimating that drive into the pornography. He's finding at least some sexual release there. I'm not saying it's a good idea, not saying that he should be doing it, not justifying the fact that he's doing it. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you are refusing to be sexually active with your husband, don't you understand that you become a contributing factor to the fact that he's doing that? Now, I know I'm going to get the mail saying, we all know that if a guy's looking at porn, it's never his wife's fault. It's always the guy's fault, no matter what. And most of the time, I would even agree with that because of the fact that he probably started using it when he was 11 years old, which preceded you. So I'm not trying to say he's using porn because you're not pretty enough. Please don't hear that. Or because you're not as gifted sexually as those porn stars are. I'm not saying that either. But I'm saying if, if there's a sexual need within your husband or your wife, 40% of porn users now are female. If there is that kind of drive within your husband or wife and you're refusing to be sexual with him or her, and then they wind up in that kind of a situation or even wind up having that one night stand, God forbid, I hope they don't. I'm still not justifying their behavior, not at all. But I'm saying, don't you understand that by not being involved with your spouse that way, you're actually contributing to that possibility occurring. Now, to you people, for example, that are Bible readers, there's actually a passage in the Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that talks about fulfilling each other sexually so that you will not be tempted because of your lack of self-control. So even for you religious people out there, the Bible even talks about that, that if you're not fulfilling each other sexually, there is more of a temptation where a person may not have self-control. So I'm saying in that situation, fix whatever needs to be fixed in the relationship, in your physicality, whatever you need to do, so that you can make love to each other. Because if you don't, and your husband or wife still has a sex drive, you're setting them up for temptations. Therefore, you have some responsibility in contributing to whatever they do. Did you hear me? I'm not justifying what they do. I am not justifying what they do. But I'm trying to tell you that you are a contributing factor. Well. Mm. That might be the end of me. I'll be <laughs> drummed off the planet now. I'll be voted off the planet Earth. There, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Because what I hear you saying is that, first of all, these things can be fixed. But we have to come to, we have to be willing to come to the reality of what the real problem is. And if we're unwilling to go back as far as to figure out what are the things I have done possibly that have contributed to this? Now, what can I do? What is my responsibility in this to help fix it? I mean, that's really what it's boiling down to. Right. And all of these things can be fixed. They have the ability to. Every situation we've talked about. Yes, everyone. Every single one of them. But another thing that, that people would do at a time like this is they get this information and they start freaking out about it. Uh, and then they say, okay, now I have to implement all of this and I have to change. And then next week they'll hear something completely different and they'll say, oh, that's the next thing I need to do. And then they'll <laughs> implement all that. And then, and so it's this constant cycle of just hearing, freaking out, implementing because you're grasping at whatever you can. What we recommend is, first of all, be calm. Yeah, calm down. Be the calm you. <laughs> and, and take it one day at a time. None of this is going to change overnight or in the next week 
or probably even in the next month, although you'll probably start seeing some progress, at least in you, in the next month. But stick with something long enough that you will start seeing results. Don't just keep grasping at every string and keep changing everything that you're doing because your spouse is gonna go crazy with everything you're changing and new ideas that you're having, you're gonna go crazy because you are obsessing about every single thing that you can possibly to do. Right, and we wanna help. Yeah. If, if I haven't so ticked you off, you never wanna hear from us again. We want to help. We do. We offer several things. First of all, go to our website, marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com. Marriagehelper mm -hmm. There are articles, there are podcasts, there are videos, all kinds of things there yeah. that are free. When you begin to see what we offer, you may wanna work with some of our coaches. Mm -hmm. And you can call us. And our, our toll-free number, I always forget it. Is 866-903-0990. I believe we have it up on the screen. Okay. No, well. And so call us and, and you can find out about our coaching. Or if you're ready or if you think you even might be close, or even if you just want to know more about it, ask us about our intense three-day workshop for marriages mm -hmm. that are having troubles. It's awesome. These, or not troubles. As a matter of fact, we have some marriages come that are actually good marriages that yeah, want to get better, be but better. understand that most of the people in that room will be marriages who are having problems. But we have seen an amazing success record. Now, you must understand, surely you figured this out so far from what we're saying here. We tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. We don't sugarcoat it. Mm -hmm. You can find a lot of people out there that'll tell you what you want to hear. If you want to deal with them, <laughs> feel free. But if you really want to know what the truth is, how you can become the best you, how you can make your marriage wonderful, how you can hopefully save a marriage that's in trouble, even if your spouse is saying he or she doesn't want to be with you anymore, he or she's in madly in love with somebody else. We have a tremendous success rate when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And call that toll-free number you just saw, go to our website, contact us, and we want to help. So yeah. why don't we uh, interact with some of these questions people got, but first, we want to tell you about something else. Mm -hmm. There's a guy who works with us and he does some of our workshops who also helps people get past things. In other words, if you're dealing with grief, if you've had a great loss mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that you know about what they do as well. Absolutely. So we'll be looking at these questions and decide what to talk about and see you in a, in a minute or two. We'll talk about those. Great. Hi, my name is David Matthews. I'm one of the facilitators for Marriage Helper Workshops. My wife and I founded Spark of Life in 2009 after the death of our grandson and we do grief recovery retreats for those who've experienced dev devastating loss. Our goal at the retreats is to give hope that though life can never be the same after loss, life can still be rich and fulfilling. Our retreats are given as a gift by Spark of Life due to the generosity of people all over this world who, who want to help people who've experienced loss. So all your materials, all your room, all your food is paid for by Spark of Life. Uh, your only obligation is transportation. So we'd like to invite you to look at sparkoflife.org and see what we have to offer as far as retreats and grief workshops for churches and businesses. Uh, our retreats uh, have, uh, we've done 89 retreats serving over 1,200 people and our participants have come from 41 states, from Costa Rica, uh, Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia, and uh, from just all over. We'd like to invite you, if, if you're hurting from loss, check out sparkoflife.org.
Great. So that was David Matthews, one of our workshop coaches, who's absolutely awesome. And his organization, Spark of Life, they do some absolutely amazing, amazing things. All right, Joe, we have some questions that people have. I'm going to slide my laptop over here. Say, Drop dead, you fat old man. No, I'm just <laughs> none of them All say right. that. None of them, none of them say that. Good, All I'm right. glad, I'm glad. So one person says, so what if I know that I was absolutely part of the problem, but he doesn't want to talk about it? I want to tell him all of the things that I'm learning about myself, but he, he won't talk to me about it. Right. First of all, I would suggest that you don't necessarily go and do that. Hmm. There's a way to do it, but not always directly. You say, why? There can be value, and I've actually encouraged people in the past to write letters and say, I take responsibility for the things I've done wrong. And I, I wanted to tell you that I'm sorry. But I think people begin to misunderstand that, or as a matter of fact, not begin to. People often misunderstood that, and so I, I stopped suggesting it because they wanted to list every single thing they'd ever done wrong, and then they went into great detail, like, I'm no good, I shouldn't have done this. Even wrote it to the point where that I began to be afraid that if your spouse goes ahead with a divorce, they're going to show this to the attorney, and the attorney's going to show this to the judge, mm. and you just made yourself sound like the worst person on the planet, wow. and that's not smart. Yeah. So if you're going to take responsibility for behavior, and I think that you should, if you want to write that letter, make it very succinct, like, you know, I know I didn't listen to you as much as I should. And then if you list three or four things like that, you know, I wish I'd spent more time with you, whatever it might be, fine. Make it more generic so that he or she knows that you're actually taking responsibility for your behavior. And don't say, I'm sorry, after every one of them, put it at the end, and I'm sorry I did that. If you decide to write the letter, that's the way to do it. Succinct, not too much detail, only say you're sorry once. Now, if you say, well, I don't want to do the letter, that's fine. I want to be able to tell my spouse that. Okay, but you cannot and it won't work if you try until such time as he or she is ready to hear. So what do you do? Well, we don't have time to explain all of this in detail. We've talked about it on many other programs. You become the safe place so that when your husband or wife has any communication with you, even if it's about business or about the kids, you're warm, you're friendly, you're safe. And if at any point he or she ever starts opening up, now you can't make them do this, you have to be patient. You have to be tolerant. And if or when he or she does open up, you're the very safe place. You don't attack. You don't criticize. You don't condemn. You listen. And when you can, you let them know you understand. Hmm. I can see how you felt that way. Now, after a conversation or two like that, when the next time you're having one that's open, friendly, that's when you can say, you mind if I tell you some things about what I've learned about me? I'd appreciate the opportunity to do that. It may not make any difference to you. And I'm not doing it because I think somehow it's going to convince you to come back. Mm. I just want to tell you some things that I've learned from all of this and how I've changed from it. So while this has been a terrible ordeal for me, there's some good that's come from it for me. Can I just share that with you? Because if they think you're trying to manipulate them, trying to make them come back, mm. they're not going to listen. But if you can put it in that kind of a frame, which I just want to share some things I've learned about myself, then, then it actually can be that they really, truly hear you. And when you do that, do not beat yourself up. Don't mm -hmm. go on and on about how bad you are. Be more factual, like the things I talked about earlier. You know, I know that you wanted to make love to me more often, and I didn't participate in that like I should have. I can see that now. Not like, oh, if I had loved you like I should have. 
You understand the difference in those two things? Don't beat yourself up. Mm. Be honest, but don't beat yourself up. That's good. We have another question of a woman who says that she recently discovered her husband had a, an affair for a year and a half with mm-hmm. a woman at work, but he has ended the affair. He wants to work on the marriage and, and save it. Good. So she says, what are some techniques that can help me get over and stop overthinking what they did or talked about? I don't want my actions or anger to hurt or our future. Now, what I would love for you to do is answer this question from the sense of a lot of times we see that marriages come back together after an affair or some issue that has happened. They'll mm-hmm. come back together, but then it's after that coming back together that can lead to more problems in the marriage yeah. because the spouse who was hurt is angry, resentful, things like that. So mm-hmm. how would you answer her question for her not to be the problem going okay. forward? First of all, it's okay to be angry. It really is. Mm-hmm. But what Kimberly just alluded to, and this happens a lot, is that people tend to swallow the anger while they're trying to get their spouse to come back. Mm-hmm. Then when the spouse comes back and things are actually headed in the right direction, finally the anger comes out and mm-hmm. it explodes and they attack and, and they're vicious sometimes. Yeah. And that'll destroy it. So it's okay to feel the anger. It really is. It's also okay to want your spouse to really understand what you feel. But understand when you first get back together, think about it like you're now dating. What I mean is this, you're in the early stages of a new relationship with your spouse. Don't hit him or her with the heavy stuff now. Don't. I mean, for a while, just try to get along with each other, try to be at peace, try to enjoy each other, try to be able to laugh about things, whatever. Now, when you finally get to the point where it's deeper, more involved, when you've gotten further into this new relationship, then you can say things like, uh, may I tell you about the pain I felt because I, I just want you to understand. And it becomes very important that they understand, but that's not phase one, that's kind of phase two. Now, what I heard from this particular woman, Kimberly, is that uh, she's thinking about the two of them together. And I'm assuming that that's thinking about, you know, when they went off and picnics with each other or whatever the heck they did, that she's picturing them having a good time. But I'm also thinking she's probably imagining them in bed with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and in your mind, you start comparing yourself to that and thinking, how is he feeling about me? Is he thinking about her while he's making love to me, etc.? Okay, how do you stop that? You have to do it consciously. Now, I realize sometimes it's hard to take control of our own thoughts. I do. So maybe you want to see somebody to help you understand how to process this. A good counselor or therapist can help you do that. Our our coaches, if you want to contact us and talk to our coaches, can help you think that through. But it ultimately is going to become a matter of willpower. I mean, it's not just going to poof, disappear. You could get some medicine to calm you down. And if you need that in the short term, see your position and get it. But... Ultimately, it's going to be a matter of you thinking about the good, not the bad. Mm -hmm. You say, what do you mean the good? It's over. He's picked me over her. Mm -hmm. He sees that being with me is the place he should be, the place that he wants to be. He wants to make a life with me. And so whenever your mind starts straying toward what he did with her and those kinds of things, you take that captive. And how do you do it? You start thinking and thinking to yourself like this. He's with me. We can make a good life together and maybe even start daydreaming about how things can be and will be if you keep doing the right things. Mm. So if you need to imagine in the short term, your doc will know about how to do that. If you need counseling or therapy, find a good one. But ultimately, it's going to come down to the fact that there's no magic answer. You're going to have to deal with this 
and focus your mind. Yeah, absolutely. And not to totally geek out, but I did a little bit of research over or about the brain and the brain pathways, these neuron firing pathways that are in our brain. And just looking at it from that point of view, the more we worry or fixate on certain issues and anxiety and let that happen, it puts these certain pathways in our brain that become used to firing. Kind of like if you're driving down a dirt road, the more you drive down it, it's going to clear the rocks out of the way. It's going to be easier to drive down. And that becomes the one that is most used. Whereas if you have to re, it's really like reprogramming your brain. You're starting mm-hmm. to fire off different pathways and you're wanting to go more positive, wanting to think that way. If you don't focus on, like Joe was saying, doing those things, being more positive, taking those thoughts out of your mind, replacing them with something else, then it's never going to redo those pathways if you want to think of it that way. So the more you use that positive mindset, the easier it will become over time. So the next time one comes into your head, just think to yourself, it's okay that I think those things. Mm -hmm. It's human. Mm -hmm. But you know, I need to think about something else that's going to be better for me. Yeah. And then start focusing and thinking on the other thing. Yeah, I know it's easier said than done, Mm -hmm. but it is doable. Yeah. All right, the final question that we have is, this person says, am I the problem because she is hiding the affair deeper instead of genuinely wanting to save the marriage? Multiple times the truth has come out that she keeps sleeping with the affair partner. Okay, I'm not understanding the question. Okay. Help me understand this. So this man is asking, am I the problem because she's hiding things from me? Oh, meaning the wife. The wife. Okay, so still help me understand the question. Okay. (laughs) Well, what I think is interesting about this question is this person is asking, am I the problem? But they're, and he's saying like, because my wife is hiding things from me, because she's still sleeping with the affair partner, because she's still doing these things. I don't think it's a direct correlation. I think that there's a breakdown somewhere in here of um, your thinking to the person who's asking this question, you're thinking that because of something you have done, she is hiding the affair from you. When it's probably more like she's hiding the affair from you because she doesn't want to get caught because of something else, it's not necessarily because of something he's done right now. Okay, and in case the question actually means something different, let me say this. If you're saying she's hiding the affair, I know she's having the affair, I'm letting her keep hiding it, I'm not exposing it, therefore am I part of the problem? If that's what you're asking, then it boils down to this. What do you want to happen next? So for example, if you really want to bring this thing to a head to see if maybe she'll stop having the affair, maybe if you can save the marriage, then you can expose it. And you can do that. But understand that if you expose it to anybody else, then there's also the likelihood that she'll become very angry and that she'll leave you for the other guy. Now it's a roll of the dice if you decide to do that. But if what you're saying is, I know she's having the affair, but she's hiding it and I'm letting her hide it, yeah, there is something that you probably need to do, but maybe it's just the two of you talking to each other. Now, there's also potential danger here. So, for example, if you know she's hiding it because of the fact that you've been hiding a GPS in her car or you've hired a private detective and therefore you have real knowledge that she's hiding it, when you tell her, I know for a fact you're doing it, I would suggest, if at all possible, you don't tell her how you know. Now, she'll deny it, but if you say, I put the GPS in your car or I hired the private detective, 
at that point, it's not going to be about her having the affair. It's going to be about how dishonest you are and how you violated her privacy. Now, I can't guarantee that's how she reacts. I'm just saying that that's most often what we see. Mm-hmm. But if you're ready and you're saying, okay, I, I just can't keep living like this because pretending that it's not happening, let her get away with it like this. Things are just getting worse and worse. I can see, yeah, it's time you do something. It's still not the fact that you're causing her affair, but could you be contributing to it by not doing something about it? The answer is, yeah, you could be. But the way that you deal with it may affect whether or not you have a chance of saving a marriage or not. This is the kind of thing that we strongly recommend that you call in and book some time with our coaches. Mm-hmm. You say, why? Because we're here even trying to interpret what your question meant. Yeah, absolutely. You understand? We're saying, okay, mm-hmm. what do we think he meant? If you call and set up some time with our coaches, then whichever coach you deal with will help you think this through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the minimum is three sessions with our coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So three sessions, he or she will help you think probably you want to deal with our guy, probably. But if you want one of the female coaches, feel free. And they'll ask you questions to help you think things through about, okay, if you're going to confront it, how do you do it? What's the best way? What has the greatest likelihood of stopping the affair and saving the marriage? And so I'm, I don't want to give too much of an answer here yeah. because we're, too, we're not even agreeing on what the question meant. Please. Call us, call our office and set up some time with our coaches. They're very reasonably priced and, and uh, you could save yourself a whole lot of misery oh, yeah. by spending some time. And that Absolutely. telephone number again. If you want to know more about coaching workshops, anything we do, it's 866-903-0990. And that is actively manned from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. or I'm getting my numbers wrong, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, But if you leave a voicemail, we're going to get back to you. We really do care about talking to you and about getting back to everyone. So you can also go on our website at marriagehelper.com and fill out any of the contact us forms there and someone will get back in touch with you as soon as they can. Joe, we have another question I want to get before we end the program. Okay. I love this question. You alluded to it earlier in the show. This man says, I changed who I was Hmm. to appease my wife to avoid arguments. Now she wants a divorce because I'm a wimp. Now what? Now, if I speak my mind, she thinks I'm being a jerk. (laughs) Well, you understand that even when people don't like what we have become, they still tend to uh, react negatively when we start becoming somebody else. Hmm. Okay, so you changed and you became the quote wimp, end quote because you're trying to appease her. Okay, you finally realize that's not working. She doesn't respect me, et cetera, et cetera. So now you speak your mind. Why is she reacting negatively to that? Because she's reacting negatively to the change. She was able to control and dominate you because you allowed it to happen. So what do you do? I suggest, and again, I don't make your decisions for you. You make your own decisions. But I suggest that you do continue to stand up for yourself, but don't be loud, don't be strident, Don't be mean. Don't say harsh things. Just be very strong. Now understand that when you do that, to get back to what you were before, she may become more intense. If you ever studied behavior modification one-on-one, you'll understand this. If she is used to you behaving in that way, and now you've become the strong guy, she's going to intensify her behavior, trying to get you to go back and be the person you were before. And so as she intensifies or exacerbates her behavior, Don't react, just stay strong. 
be calm, be solid. Okay. So just look at her and say, well, I'm sorry that you're upset, but I'm not changing my mind about this. Or, you know, I, I hate the fact that you're yelling at me, but I'm not going to yell back at you. You be that strong, strong, calm, gentle guy that just doesn't give in. And after a while, that exacerbated behavior will likely start diminishing, but don't change. Don't yell back at her. Don't do anything else like that. Just still be strong because what are your options? You can either become a total jerk, which he's accusing you of being, that's not good. Or you can go back and be the wimp. That's not good either. So the only option it would seem to me that has a good potential for you is to be the strong guy. Calm, gentle, but strong. And don't back off on that. Just be that guy, even if she accuses you of being the jerk. Unless you want to be one of those other two people. If you do, it's your option. You can do that. But I don't think you'll be happy doing that based on what you've said so far. Mm, that's good. Well, I hope during this show, we have really filled out what that means of maybe you're the problem. It can be hard to hear, but sometimes we need to take that internal look and say, what is it that I could be doing different? What is it I could be doing better? And ultimately, first of all, for me, what can I be doing to make me the best person I can be? And then of course, make helping that to affect my marriage in a positive way as well. So whatever we can do for you, we are absolutely here for you. As we've said earlier in the mm -hmm. program, you can find more of our articles on marriagehelper.com. We encourage you to like this YouTube channel, to look through the videos that we have here and, and get some help for you in that way as well. And if there's anything we can do for you in terms of getting you plugged in with a coach or signed up for one of our workshops, we have an amazing uh, summer pricing special that we have on our workshops this summer. That's absolutely incredible. Summer is a great time to travel and a great time to be in Nashville, which we love so much. And if you want good food, I mean, Southern food, biscuits, hot chicken, Nashville is the place to be. We would love to have you here at one of our workshops too. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking, well, I don't know if my spouse will come to the workshop. We yeah. need it, mm -hmm. but I don't know if he or she will come. You call us. Our, our client uh, relationship people, uh, they are really good. They care about you and they'll listen. They'll help you think yeah. things through. And they'll also help you uh, think about how to talk to your husband or wife about coming to the workshop. Yeah. Uh, even if the workshop is the best thing for you mm -hmm. or if it should be coaching or something else. Yeah. So that call's free. You just call yeah, us, absolutely talk free. to our kind of client relationship people and, and they will listen, they will care and they will help guide you to the best resource for you. Yeah. Absolutely. We care for you and we're here for you. So until next week, have an awesome week and we will see you next time.